Our gospel lesson this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and you can find it at page 35 of the New Testament section if you'd like to follow along. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. When you are a student at whatever age or stage, and you had a choice of where to sit in the classroom, did you choose the front of the classroom or the back of the classroom? Where where are the back of the classroom people? Okay, does that mean everybody else is the front of the classroom? Some people were in the middle, I guess. (laughs) Until about halfway through college, I was a back of the classroom student mostly because I was afraid to ask questions. We've all heard the saying, there are no stupid questions, but it takes courage to raise your hand, stop the lecture, risk the annoyance of the professor, face the eye rolls of your fellow students, and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I bet most of us can remember being shamed because we didn't know something or because we didn't understand something that we were sure everyone else understood. So we're afraid to ask. Maybe we hope it will all clear up after we've read the assigned readings, but it doesn't always work that way, does it? When a school subject builds on prior understanding, pretty soon you can find yourself in over your head. We bluff our way through algebra only to be totally overwhelmed in algebra too. Or was that just me? (laughs) This fear of asking questions seems even more common for folks when it comes to questions about faith, about God, about the Bible. Somehow the stakes seem higher, but I think there's more to it. Many folks grow up thinking that our spirituality, our connection with God, is all about what we believe Do we believe the right things about God and Jesus? Do we interpret the Bible the right way? So asking questions might mean that we don't have the correct beliefs. A pastor in the East Bay, Ryan Timpty, tells a story about a conversation with a teenager, Lila. Lila came to him with a question that she said was keeping her from being a Christian. Ryan had assumed she already was a Christian, She taught their church's first grade Sunday school, after all. He told her to ask away. How do we know for sure that Christianity 
is right, she asked. Now Ryan's first thought was, well, we don't. But he didn't say anything because he wanted to know what it was that concerned Lila. She continued, I mean, a lot of my friends at school are Buddhist or Jewish or atheist, you know. Are they wrong? And then what followed was a great discussion that ranged from how God is revealed to different people to why bad things happen to baptism. Ryan was honest about his own doubts, and Lila, in turn, was unafraid to ask her questions. Ryan still wondered why Lila didn't consider herself a Christian until she made this comment toward the end of the conversation. She said, It's just that I don't think I can take the next step yet. I can't become a Christian and get baptized until I can answer these questions like you can, right? It turned out that Lila believed that her becoming a Christian depended on her ability to grapple with abstract theological questions, questions which highly educated theologians have struggled for centuries, by the way, and then to answer these questions correctly. She also seemed to believe that even if she couldn't answer all these questions, her pastor could. Yikes. (laughs) I wonder if something like this is going on for the disciples in today's Mark's passage. We're more than halfway through Mark's gospel. The disciples have been with Jesus. They've watched him teach and heal. And yet they're afraid to ask Jesus what he means when he talks about betrayal, death, and resurrection. Why? What would have been the harm in asking, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? Who will betray you? How could you be killed and yet rise again? Did the disciples think that they should already know the right answers? have the correct beliefs about all this? Were they afraid to look bad? It turns out that they were, in fact, concerned about image. The next thing we read, they've been bickering about who is the greatest. My, oh my, the relevance of Scripture never ceases to amaze me. People like being great, don't they? People want to be great again, great always no matter who pays the price for greatness. Jesus knows exactly what they've been talking about. True greatness, says Jesus, is not to be above others, but to be least of all and servant of all. It is not to ascend the social ladder or to seek the company of the powerful, but to welcome and care for those without status, such as the child that Jesus embraces and places before his disciples. Hmm, maybe the disciples should have been asking more questions. It looks to me as though they've been falling behind. Let's look at what Jesus is telling the disciples and us. In any culture, children are vulnerable. They're always dependent on others for their survival and well-being. In the ancient world, that vulnerability was magnified by the fact that they had no legal protection, no rights. A child certainly had nothing to offer anyone in terms of honor or status. But it is precisely these little ones 
with whom Jesus identifies. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Greatness, says Jesus, isn't importance, status, wealth, power. It's about service. It isn't already knowing the correct answers. It's welcoming. Welcoming the vulnerable, which includes welcoming the questions. What is more childlike, after all, than questions? I did indeed sit quietly in the back of the class until about halfway through college, but when I was a little kid, I was full of questions. Most kids are. I was always asking who invented this or who first thought of that. My mother bought me picture books about how things work and how things are made because I pestered her so consistently with questions. But the older we get, the harder it is to ask questions. We believe on on some level that the more you know, the smarter you are. That need to know, that need to know already, it's part of that obsession with looking great. But just maybe what really makes us smart and great is knowing how much we don't know. Jesus always seemed to be more interested in questions than answers. When people asked Jesus a question, he often answered with another question. In fact, he hardly ever gave a direct answer to anything. He told stories, parables, that required his listeners to go away and figure out the answer for themselves. Jesus loved questions. Perhaps we should, too. Our questions about God, about faith, about Scripture, about whatever, are crucial to the life of faith, which means we need to nurture a culture in which faith questions are invited and encouraged. Why? Because it's by admitting that we don't know and asking questions that we learn more and grow in faith. How might the disciples have grown if they'd been humble enough, if they'd had the childlike humility to admit they didn't know what Jesus was talking about? But besides learning more, encouraging questions about faith puts us on the same journey as Jesus, a journey of faith side by side with others who had questions. The Jesus we encounter in Scripture wasn't at all impressed with people who knew the correct answers or did the right religious deeds. Jesus didn't come to indoctrinate us. He came to free us. Brian McLaren reminds us, based on the priorities of many Christian leaders and institutions, we might conclude that Jesus said, by their beliefs you shall know them, or this is my command that you believe the right doctrines, rather than what Jesus actually said, which was, by their fruits, that is, by their actions, you will know them. And this is my command, that you love one another. Jesus saw how pat answers and certainty create insiders and outsiders. Insider groups love simple definitive answers because those answers reinforce that their group is right and everyone else is wrong. Questions, on the other hand, stimulate thought 
An honest thought leads us to accept how uncertain everything really is, which in turn leads to humility and to vulnerability, like that child that Jesus welcomed into the circle. There was a time when becoming a Christian meant being stuffed full of all the right answers. Some of you can remember that time. But certainty isn't faith at all. We all have doubts. We all have questions. That's why we call it faith, not knowledge. We might even say that faith is more accurately, more accurately measured by the courage within our questions than the certainty of our answers. I pray that we can strive to be a community where questions are welcomed. Vulnerable questions, courageous questions, all questions. Godly play, our children's Sunday school, is built around wondering and asking questions. And I pray that we can encourage our children and youth to ask all of their hardest questions, not only through godly play, but by, by modeling for them that we grown-ups aren't afraid to ask our own hard questions. I've spent many years as a student. I'm still a student, in fact. Over time, I figured out if I didn't get what the teacher was saying, it was most likely the case that at least a few other people didn't get it either. That's when I started asking questions, and that's when I moved to the front row. There, if people were rolling their eyes, at least I couldn't see it. <laughs> May it be so for you and for me. Amen. <laughs>